1: Mine happens to be a mystery involving my great-great-grandmother left behind in Sicily. I'm Joe Piazza, and my new podcast will transport you to the gorgeous island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a who done It for the Ages. Listen to the Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: If you feel it, put
4: your hands in the air. Show some love to the moon while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time. Cause you and I Happy Saturday, Outway fam. I am sitting across from Crystal Lunenschloss, which she is a friend of Kat DeFada's, who is the host of You Need Therapy. And she's joined me on Four Things with Amy Brown, and she's been on the Outway podcast as well. And Crystal, you I would say y'all are basically like colleagues. Colleagues-ish in the same field.
3: BFFs.
4: Oh, okay. colleagues and BFFs. So why don't you share with us your, your
3: background, your credentials, and what you do? Yeah. Well, thanks for having me. I am a, a registered dietitian going on over 12 years now in the field, specifically working in addiction, recovery, eating disorder treatment, and sports nutrition, and kind of everything in between. My real passion is working with pretty acute eating disorder treatment and complex cases. And so I became a certified eating disorder, registered dietitian to be able to really elevate my expertise in that. And then I also work with body image and really, I mean, what we're talking about today with the brain and really interested in the complexities of how the disease process works. And so I try to practice that in my private practice. I have a group practice where we can do all the fun healing things that we Which is do. called
4: <laughs> Yeah, Horizon Nutrition Counseling, if you happen to be here in Nashville. If not, she has a website, horizonnutritioncounseling.com. And yeah, like you mentioned, the brain and our bodies. What we're going to break down today, which Crystal is going to be on for the next three weeks. So this is part one of three, and each week we'll be covering a different topic. But this is how body image is more about your brain than what you look like. So break down what that means.
3: Great. So body image is a perception. So it's not necessarily based on factual information all the time. It's based on your perception and a collective experience of your thoughts and feelings and how you feel in your body versus what we may physically see when we look down at our bodies. And so That's where it really is a game of how our brain processes that information and what lens it gets processed through. So, if the lens is somewhat disordered, then the collective way our brain puts that picture together is going to be slightly distorted or severely distorted and more dysmorphic types. So, it really becomes a game of genetics, the way our eating habits are, our brain's slightly malnourished in certain ways if it's had a a brain injury, if we've used substances, there's so many things that impact the way our brain processes information. And so from my point of view, it really does become more of the behavioral part of how we think about our bodies.
4: It makes me think of BDD, yes. body dysmorphic yes. disorder. And I've been doing a lot of work on my brain lately. Actually, before we sat down and record, I was like, hey, right after this, I have a neurofeedback appointment and I can't be late because I like to take advantage of every minute. I mean, I can be late, but that, you know, will seep into my brain therapy time. And I have realized I'm two years into recovery. I don't, you don't know a lot of my backstory. Some listeners do, but maybe this is your first day listening to Outway. But I am here as just the person that wants to come alongside others that are in the thick of it, or maybe they're also in recovery. And just, I want you to know you're not alone. And I have experts come on that know the facts and like why we are the way we are. And that's what Crystal's doing here today. So I, I'm not claiming to be an expert by any means, but what I've seen in my own self is as my brain has gotten healthier, it's easier for me to navigate some of this mm-hmm. stuff. Cause I'm not so, for lack of a better term, I'm not so all up in my head about it. It's oh like, I'm able to kind of, you know, take more of a straight line to where I need to go instead of zigzagging all over the place and getting caught up in loops and this and that. It's like things are just more clear to me. But that's as I've had the luxury and the privilege to do something to take care of my brain like therapy and neurofeedback and taking the time for myself. And I know not everybody has access to those things. So I do recognize that. But it is interesting to me that as I've really been focusing on my brain Mm -hmm. the last, you know, I would say year, full year, I'm starting to see the benefits. And it's crazy.
3: Yes, it is crazy when you actually experience brain change and see those neural pathways actually changing. I imagine it as like a very thick brush where like you couldn't just walk into the, to the forest, you know, and we have to blaze this trail of new neural pathways that takes so much work and effort to actually turn into more of a dirt road and then more of like a paved road with like lighting and stuff, you know, it really takes so much practice and effort and different types of therapies to really change the brain, to perceive our body in a true and genuine way.
4: Which I can't remember. Is there like a a number-ish where you have to do something a certain amount of times? Because when I was in recovery, have you heard of the book Brain Over Binge? I have. Okay, so I read that early on. That was something that clicked with me in the start, it wasn't the only component to my recovery at all, but it was some, you know, she's very much focusing on the brain and me training myself and building those new neural pathways to be like, every time I was going to go to the pantry, it's like I stopped and I turned around, but I had to go and stop and turn around. Yeah like hundreds and hundreds, I don't even know how many times I had to do it to build the new neural pathways. And I can't remember if she ever
3: gave a number. Yeah. Is there one? I think in general, it's, you know, to break a habit, quote unquote, it's about 21 times. Okay. Well, but, for me, it was a lot. <laughs> well, the difference between a habit and a ritual is that yeah. ritual, it's going to take a lot more because it's not just the behavior you're changing, you're changing the emotional connection to it. And mm-hmm. that's a whole different ballgame. and just like, I'm going to stop, you know, like biting my fingernail, you know. Something like that, it takes more intention and more skill to do it.
4: Yeah. And so this is something I think that is commonly talked about amongst women, but men suffer from this just the same. I don't even know if suffers the right word, but.
3: Yeah. They have the same experiences. Men, it's it's unfortunate because I think it's more of a stereotype that men don't have issues. And so no one asks them the question. And many times they're not very forthcoming with the information and seeking help themselves. So if the assumption is that men don't have issues, their therapists may not be asking their doctors might not be asking. And so they may be doing a lot of things that, you know, that they know to do to change their body image. That's not very healthy. It presents a little bit different than they would uh, women because, it's kind of normalized for women to speak negatively about our bodies to other women. <laughs> um, but men, they kind of like joke about it and grab things and, Oh, look at that. You know, they're very like aggressive with it sometimes. And they're just meant to kind of shake it off. So I, I've seen it present in so many ways with men where they end up maybe using drugs or alcohol to mask their body image issues. Uh, I've seen bodybuilders. They kind of say like my muscles are kind of, my way of like being scary and intimidating. So people leave me alone. It presents just differently for men sometimes, but really they struggle with the same thing, but no one asks them about it.
4: Yeah. When you said they joke about it, it made me think of, yes, like I know men that after conversations have come out and said, I mean, yeah, I kind of, I don't, when I look in the mirror, this is not what I see. This is what I see. And it is crazy because we look at other people and we're like, that's not what I'm noticing about you Mm -hmm. at all. Like you said, it's a lot of it is in, our head. And I remember feeling so much shame about my eating disorder. And I just feel for men too. I don't know if there's more shame, if that's possible. Cause like women, we can, I felt shame and I didn't want to talk about it. But then again, like you said, it's like more acceptable for women to have concerns. So the shame almost seems extra for men.
3: Absolutely. It absolutely is. And they certainly don't want to talk to other men about it Mm -hmm. because you know, what if the peer is really just more judgmental. Like what, why are you asking about that? I don't want to talk about that. Uh, whereas women were like, tell me everything, you <laughs> know, like tell me about your things. And so it's a little bit different, but I, I used to run men, male body image groups. It was men only. And it was so amazing to see the healing that comes out of that. When you put a group of men together who are actually open to discussing their issues and just seeing that, like, I'm not alone the stereotype needs to change, and it's only going to change with me, with us, and within the, you know, like, as we build out of our community and how we, you know, they start kind of getting empowered to change, too. But it, it it's definitely the same, and it's something that we need to talk about more. Well, so when it comes to either men, women, younger, older,
4: there's, there's I mean, eating disorders and disordered behaviors affects anyone and everyone, or can. Yes. So what little tools do you have maybe to share just a few with us that we can keep in our back pocket when we're right now trying to process, okay, wait, this is more my brain, this this body image thing, it's all in my head. So what Mm -hmm. are some things that we can be doing to start building those neuropathways and undoing it?
3: Yeah. So there's a type of therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy, and it really is what we know changes the brain the most that and like exposure therapy. (laughs) So the CBT has a set of skills that really just helps with stopping thoughts. So as you notice kind of ruminating or cyclical thoughts that kind of rabbit trail into just a lot of bullying and a negativity, that's the thought where if you can stop and think about literally anything else. So think of it as like, the, um, even though your brain's not a muscle, but think of it as like, if I'm trying to strengthen my bicep, I'm going to exercise my bicep. And if I exercise my brain to think mostly negative things, that's what it's automatically going to do. So if we can stop those negative thoughts in its tracks, it's not strengthening those pathways. And then if we can in- follow it up with a neutral thought, or even maybe a positive thought, That's the foundation of laying down those pathways. It makes me think of when we
4: were a kid and we're learning fire drills and it's like, stop (laughs) is the first thing, like stop, drop and roll.
3: But it's like, okay, first thing we have to do is just stop. But you first have to recognize you're even having the thought. So you have to be very mindful Mm -hmm. of, wow, I just zoned out with this negative thought for a really long time. I need to first acknowledge that, that I'm having that thought because the the more you can catch it sooner, the more you can redirect it. And I'm so glad you said that because yeah, how can you stop something you right. don't even realize is happening? Especially when it consumes your your headspace so much. You just it's just kind of normal. Like what do you mean? Like I as soon as I see my leg, like I say my brain just immediately goes there. And so you know that. You already know that about yourself. So have a set of just kind of thoughts and and uh, phrases that you can just say to stop that thought. And then also there, you know, kind of being body avoidant creates a fear of unknown, you know, and so I would also encourage just knowing your body is really important because if we're wearing baggy things, if we're avoiding looking at ourselves in the mirror, of course, we're going to create an image in our mind that's distorted because we're only knowing what our body shape is based on how negative our thoughts are. I'm not asking, you know, like love your body and and look at all the things right now. But it's really about if you notice you're completely body avoidant, that is going to create this fear and wire your nervous system to be scared of it. And that also is going to cause a lot of harm long term. Okay, so
4: first, just to recap, we need to recognize and acknowledge what's happening. Then secondly, we need to stop. If we once we notice the negativity, just put a stop to it and replace it with something neutral or positive. Now, instead of just saying positive, why did you say neutral?
3: Because some people just can't; they're not ready for positive yet. Okay. So, or or they'll just say positive something and just be like, I don't believe that anyway. Well, because yeah, for
4: affirmations, you have to truly believe yeah. it for it to start. I think
3: sometimes you don't necessarily have to truly believe it on the front end. Okay. The more you say it, you eventually do, but some people are just not even they cannot, it actually makes it can be more harmful. So sometimes just neutral or just challenging the, you know, if it's everyone stares at me when I go to the beach, well, do they really, you know, like look around, is everyone, you know, looking at you when you step on the beach, recognize the reality that it's not. Okay. And then
4: the last one, mm-hmm. knowing your body. Yes. And don't be what you were saying, a body avoidance. Yeah. Okay. So thank you for sharing those little, those little things. Those are three things right there that you can keep in your back pocket. If you notice, you know, body image type thoughts popping into your head and just, again, know that you're not alone, whether you're male or female. And I know just me being a woman, I spend a lot of time saying, oh, well, you know, I speak to the women and then I'll get a note from a man. And I'm just reminded, oh, yes men are going through this too. And again, I've even witnessed it. So thank you for coming on and sharing that. And if there's any men listening and you have thoughts or emails, you, something you want to share, um, or you would like to share some of your story, would love to hear from you. Hello at com is where you can hit us up. And then Crystal, your website one more
3: time.
4: It's com. Well, thank you so much for hanging with us today. And again, Crystal's going to be back next Saturday and then the following. And we're going to get into like what really is normal eating. And I say normal in in air quotes. And then also after that, a a listener email about being concerned for a friend that is displaying some disordered behaviors. All right. See y'all next Saturday. Bye.